you know, I was so inspired when I came in tonight. I've heard two great testimonies. And tonight I want to talk about influencing our world for Jesus. And already I've heard two awesome, awesome testimonies. One from Ella. I mean, that is influencing her school for Christ. Amen. When she's in there and there's trouble and these people weeping and she begins to stand up and begins to be able to share what she has to others, that is influencing people for Christ in her metron and her world. And, you know, Pastor Mike has been teaching about our metron, our areas of responsibility, and, uh, and uh, that was an example of someone standing up and having influence in her school. And, uh, you know, also I was talking to Alan back there, and he was sharing in his workplace, him and Mike, once a month, I've asked their boss if they can, if they can go into one of the rooms and they can have a prayer meeting because they want to pray for prosperity. They want to pray for blessing over their work. I mean, that is influence in the workplace for his boss to allow him to do it. Amen? So this morning, I want to talk about arising up and having influence in our world for Christ. And uh, in Romans 5.17, if you've got your Bible, in Romans 5.17, it says this, For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one... So in other words, Adam and Eve, because of his sin, because uh, uh, sin entered mankind through him and began to reign in all of us. Much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. So when you're born again, when you receive Jesus Christ, you receive that grace of God, you receive that righteousness. And the word of God says here, how much more will we reign in life through the one Jesus Christ? That word reign means to have influence or to exercise the highest place of influence, to have dominion. In other words, to win in life. You know, God wants us to be winners in life. Who likes to win? You know, when you win, there's just something about winning and, and, and it's a lot better than losing. Amen. And you know, Jesus was the greatest winner. He was the greatest winner and he's still winning. I mean, out of all the men that's ever born, been born, he is still drawing hundreds and thousands and millions of people to him because he was the great winner. He, you know, he had huge influence he had, he had dominion over sickness, dominion over demons. The Bible says he triumphed over them. And, uh, you know, God wants that for us. God wants us to take hold of the grace of God and have dominion and influence in our world. And, uh, you know, what about you today in your schools, in your community, in your workplace, you know, in your neighbors? Are we having an influence? Are we beginning to step out like Alan and step out like, like Ella and, and beginning to have an influence and, you know, in, in my workplace, I like to win. And, uh, and, and my boss has a very competitive kind of edge to his company. And uh, what I thought was when I kind of got into the company and realized what he was like and how he was competitive, I thought, well, I'm not going to be competitive with the other guys, but I'll be competitive in the sense that I'll do the very best I can. I'll draw God's anointing and grace on my life and we'll see what happens. And, uh, you know, and I've been there for seven, I'm in my seventh year with, with him now. And uh, over the last probably four to five years, I've been the, uh, the top performer within my company as far as production and, and uh, cost per cartons and all that kind of thing. I grow apples for, for a business. And uh, it was really funny, about three months ago, uh, my boss bought a, a brand new Toyota Hilux ute. And uh, one of the managers had to get it. We all had, we all had utes, but there was a new one coming into the company because they were passing the, the old one down to one of the foremans. And, uh, and he said, oh, well, who's going to get the new ute? And one of the managers said, oh, why don't we just uh, put our names in a hat and we'll, and, and we'll draw the names out and whoever gets it, gets it. And that was going to be in about two weeks' time when the ute arrived. So I went home that, that night. I thought, Lord, I thank you for the ute. Lord, I, I want that new ute. And I just thanked it. And in my heart, I knew I was going to get it. And sure enough, two weeks later, 
the drawer came, drawing the hat, and, and my name was pulled out. Got, I got the brand new you. And, but you know what? One of the guys got majorly, majorly upset. And uh, as, as soon as they pulled my name out, he wanted it drawn again. So this is a 46-year-old man, and he, he, he said, no, nah, it's not fair. No, nah, let's do it again. And the other guy said, what do, what do you mean? We've just drawn it out of the hat. No, 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 no. Let's do it again. Uh, Brighton gets everything. And he actually, he, the guy manifested and stormed off to his ute and drove off because I won the ute. And uh, so, you know, when you, have a, when you have influence, when you have God on your case, people, you know, they struggle with it. And, and, and later I heard one of the other managers said to my foreman, he said, well, how can you compete against God? So, you know, I like that comment. I like that comment because it showed there was an influence out there and they're beginning to see it. You know that, that, that same guy that reacted? Twice now he's rung me up over the last couple of years when he's been, when, when he's been hail come over and he's rung me up and asked, he said, oh, you know, these, these hail coming over, how about, you know, you get out there and you, you, you pray for me and, and your orchards are my orchards so we don't get hailed. And, uh, you know, that's influence. That's, I love having that kind of influence. And, uh, and it's great, you know. So I wonder if we could just turn to Genesis 1.26. Genesis 1.26. And I just want to share, uh, you know, right at the beginning of time, God had a mandate for us, a mandate for mankind, and uh, an, a natural mandate and a prophetic mandate for us. And in Genesis 1.26, the Bible says this, then God says, now he's made all the animals. He's made the creation. He's made the animals. He's made the fish. He's, and men were last. And on the sixth day, he said, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So you can imagine, here is the mighty Godhead, and they're having a discussion. Let us make man in our image. So in other words, they're saying, let us make man full of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness. Let, make, let us make man that is creative and and." And they're having this meeting up there about what man's going to be like. And then they said, so that was, that was what we were going to be like. And they said, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing. And uh, so that was our practical mandate. That, was our pra that word dominion means to reign, just like in, in uh, Romans 5.17, to reign or to have influence or to win to rule over or to prevail against, uh, or to prevail. And, uh, but, you know, there was a prophetic mandate in here as well. And so before God even made man, before he even made us, God knew that men were going to fall. And he knew that, um, and, and that eventually men would have to rise up and receive, that he would come to the earth, he would die on the cross for our sins, and that we would receive him as Savior. And then there was a prophetic mandate he put through, and the Bible says here, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Well, you know, the fish also symbolizes souls. And what did Jesus say in Matthew and Mark? He says, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You know, they are the very first, very words, the very first words that Jesus ever spoke. And Matthew recorded that. He actually spoke out of his mouth when he, when he uh, saw Andrew and Simon. He said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Actually, first he said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And, uh, and um, also had dominion over the birds of the air. Well, you know, birds of the air represents demons as well. And in Mark, this is actually the, uh, the prophetic commission for us. And in Mark 16, the Bible says to preach the gospel to every creature and cast out demons. That's, this is the prophetic um, commission for us. And it was the same in Mark 16. So I want to tell you today, God is 
cause, God is calling us to begin to stand up, begin to get real about souls, to get, begin to get real in our own uh, um, world, our own place of influence for souls. You know, young person out there, older person, you know, how passionate are you for souls? How, I, I mean, how passionate are you in believing for your family to get saved? How passionate are you uh, are believing for your school friends to get saved? Youth, how passionate are you to, to, to see the youth get saved out there? You know, I was brought up in Hastings. I brought up through the 80s. I know what it's like to be a youth here. And I spent times on the dole. I spent times involved in a whole lot of rubbish. You know, it gets pretty depressing. I clearly remember being very depressed uh, in my youth times and... and caught up in a whole lot of stuff. And, you know, these heaps of youth in Hastings right now that are depressed. And, you know, no one came and shared the gospel to me. No one came and, and uh, gave me any hope. But you guys have got that uh, opportunity to make a difference in the youth. And so we need to be passionate about souls. And, uh, you know, in my workplace, uh, we've seen some great things happen. You know, we, one of my Indonesian friends from this year who's been working for me, uh, came here three weeks ago and gave his heart to Jesus. He'd been here for four or five times, and every time he'd got powerfully touched. And about three weeks ago, he, he came up and gave his heart to Jesus. You know, it's amazing when you, when you get your work friends and workmates come and give, them heart, give their hearts to Jesus. Um, uh, my, foreman, uh, my foreman got in trouble about two or three years ago, got in serious trouble at an after-work after function. And so bad that he spent the night at the police station. And uh, I've been praying for this man for five years. And uh, so I went to pick him up at the police station. And he came in very, very humbled, massive shame around the guy. But, you know, I took him, home, I took him back to work and I cooked him a meal and just stood with him. Didn't condone what he had done, but understood where, what he was doing and, and, and how he was feeling. And, you know, and that opened the door. Uh, I mean, I've preached the gospel to him before, but that opened the door for, for him to invite Sharon and I to his home for us to begin to pray over him and his partner because just in the place they are at. And, you know, that's influence. We need to, we need to have that type of influence if we're going to win people to Christ. Amen? Amen. You know, I've seen, uh, I've been saved now for 16 years. And uh, I was the first one in my family that, got, that was saved. Now I have three sisters all saved, all born again, going to the Apostolic Church or the, the Equippers Church. Uh, Mum's given her heart to the Lord here. And... And, um, you know, my dad, is, we had a tremendous testimony with my father about uh, over 10, 12 years ago when he was dying of cancer. And, and my dad was really hard. I mean, when I got saved, Dot knows my dad, he was really hard. He was, he was like, you know, rugby racing beer kind of, kind of guy, you know. And so, and I kind of went that way and he was going that way. And, and then I got born again and saved. And, and, you know, really, I don't know if he thought which one was worse, you know, going that way or, or now in his eyes, becoming religious and, uh, and getting saved. He couldn't understand it at all and couldn't cope with it. And actually, our relationship got more stretched after that. But, you know, I continued to pray and, uh, and, and continue to pray for his salvation and continue to take authority over, this, over, over the spirits that blind him. You know, in Genesis 1.26, it says, take dominion over the birds of the air. That's take dominion over demons that are blinding people. The Bible says that the devil blinds the hearts and minds of those who don't believe. He actually blinds them. So if you can imagine uh, your friends and people you know that aren't saved are walking along and their spiritual eyes are blinded from the gospel. They cannot see it. And it actually takes prayer. 
you know, I got saved at 26, but I had a grandmother praying for me. And, uh, I, and I would say most of you here that are saved have had people praying for you. And uh, so I would pray for dad. And, and even though we weren't relating to that, I would pray for him and pray for his salvation. And, and I continue to keep my heart right with people, with, with, with your family. And that's an important thing I know. You know, I just feel it now that a lot of people, you can get a strain from your family and, 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 and you can get upset with your family quickly and, and all that because they're, they're close to you, you know, and, and, and you, you let them go out of your heart. But it's, a, it's, it's really key to keep your family in your heart. So I could have easily have let dad go. I could have easily have thought, oh, you know, Sodom, he doesn't want nothing to do with me. And nah, nah. But I didn't. I kept him on my heart and I prayed for him and I prayed for him because I knew he was blinded. And, you know, there came a time when he got cancer and, uh, and the door opened for me and Sharon to go up and talk to him. And uh, he allowed us to pray for him. And then he, he came right again and then he had another relapse about six months after that. And so we were able to share with him again. And then, and then in his last three days, he came around to my place and I remember talking to him in the lounge and saying, Dad, have you, have you, asked, God, have you asked Jesus to forgive you? And he turned around to me and he said, Oh, I've asked, I've asked God to forgive me. I said, well, that's good, but let, let's put the name of Jesus in there. And so he opened his heart, and, we, and I led him to the Lord. And uh, a couple of days later, he went into the hospice with cancer. He was on his last couple of days. And, you know, Sharon and I went to see him, and all he wanted to talk about was Jesus, what Jesus is like. And then the next night, I went there by myself, and it was his last night. I didn't know that. And I sat with him, and I prayed with him, and just thanked God for all the, the great quality, the qualities in his life and the things that he had put into me. And then we got a phone call the next morning to say dad had gone. But you know the amazing thing? I mean, you know, there's a joy because he's with the Lord. But the amazing thing is the nurse said at two in the morning, they, they kind of, there was a disturbance. So they went in there to kind of settle him down. And he was trying to get out of bed. He was trying to get out of bed and they were stopping him. He kept touching his clock and he said, I've got to go. I've got an appointment somewhere. I've got an appointment somewhere. See, he was feeling the call of God. He, his appointment was due with death. And the Bible says it's appointed once to die. And so he was trying to get out of bed. I've got an appointment. Tap in his watch. You know, and they settled him down and he passed away. But you know, it's great joy that I know I'm going to connect with him one day and he's in heaven. But I could have easily have let him go out of my heart. I could have easily, you know, because he was so hard and full of pride. But you know what? The prayers soften the heart. And, and that's why it's so important to continue to pray for family. Pray for your mums, pray for your dad, your grandparents. No matter how hard they seem now, prayer will humble the heart. And, uh, you know, it's, just, it's been such a joy to know he's in heaven. So I've got, I've got three sisters saved now. My, uh, that my brother-in-law got saved about two years ago. And, uh, and that's just a huge joy, uh, uh, joy knowing for the last 16 years of what they've been like and just, you know, with me and all that. And now to see them saved is just, just, just such a huge joy. And uh, so I just want to encourage you, keep people in your heart. Family is important. Keep your work friends in your heart. You know, Alan's, Alan and Mike are praying in their workplace, but you know what? They've told their boss they're praying for prosperity and praying for blessing. But you know what? I guarantee they're praying for souls. They're praying for, for you know, Alan got healed in his workplace by Mike. And Alan's saved and his wife's saved, you know. And he's just, they, when you get together and pray, God, it allows room for God to move. So just, you know, you guys in your school places, get together and pray and, and do it because, you know, you can't underestimate the power of God coming and touching people's lives no matter how hard they feel, the ones that might give you a bit of flack. Hey, just keep praying because God will do a work in their hearts. And, you know, these three major um, areas, a couple of years ago, 
uh, Terry Blair and myself and uh, Jenny Cashmore, we run a small group and we talked about how to share the gospel, how to evangelize in your own world. And we had different cell groups coming and, and, uh, and we took them through. It was about a six-week course. And uh, what we realized after the first session was that every, there were three major things, uh, areas in people's lives that prevent them from actually sharing the gospel or three major fears that, pe- that, that are a hindrance to people sharing the gospel. And one of them is a fear of being rejected. And uh, hey, no one, no one likes being rejected. You know, rejected is a horrible thing. But the reality is we will get rejected. And sharing the gospel, we will get rejected. Jesus got rejected. You know, he, he, he shared with the, with the rich man. And the rich man in the end turned away and walked away. He literally rejected what Jesus had said. The Pharisees rejected what Jesus had said. He felt the rejection. He felt, you know, the Bible says Jesus was rejected. He felt what it was like to be rejected. But his focus was to do the will of God. His focus was to go to the cross so that all men would be saved. And, uh, you know, we need to take comfort in, uh, in um, Luke 10, 16. The Bible says this. This is, this is a great scripture because it aligns God with, our, with, with us when we get rejected. It says, he who hears you, hears me. So we know if we preach the gospel and someone hears, he hasn't just heard us. He's heard Jesus and he's heard the Father and then he received the whole lot. But he who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. And you, you know, that's the thing. When we get rejected, you know, Jesus is getting rejected right alongside us. And right alongside Jesus is the Father getting rejected as well. The whole package gets rejected, but the, but the key is just to, just to pray for that person and, and just continue, you know. But um, uh, God sympathizes with our rejection. You know, we have the answer. We have the answer that people need. And, and often when people reject us or they, or they push us away, actually, you know, a lot of them walk away knowing we've got the need. I remember when I was 15, 16, a youth here, there used to be, I remember going to the bank uptown by the town clock and I saw this kind of young guy in his 20s preaching the gospel up there and he's obviously just born again fresh and he's preaching the gospel and you know sharing how he was into this and he was into that and I remember thinking um, at first thinking oh you know he can't handle life and stuff like that but actually you know deep down that majorly impacted me and when I got saved I immediately remembered him immediately remembered him he would never even know who I am or what he did but I actually remembered him so don't ever underestimate sharing the gospel, preaching the gospel. Don't ever underestimate the impact that it can have in people's lives. And you know, there's another area that people struggle with, and that's shame. They actually struggle with the shame of the whole, of the whole gospel. And, and uh, you know, it's like, you know, shame came in with Adam and Eve. And when Adam and Eve uh, felt the shame, they hid. They hid and didn't want to be seen, and they covered themselves because of shame. And you know, people that... People that hide and never share the gospel, actually what it is, it's shame. People that, people that hide, hide the gospel, close mouth, they might come out with all sorts of reasons why they don't share it. Oh, you know, it's personal and or whatever. Actually, you know what? The root of it is shame. They've actually hidden the gospel within them and they're not prepared to, 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 um, to, share, to share. But you know, Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. What a great scripture. You know, the gospel is the power of God. It's the power of God for salvation. And here's a major, major issue. So there were three that we kind of picked up talking with these groups. And, you know, and everyone had a, 
people struggled with it. And, and I've struggled with some of these as well. And you still kind of do struggle with it. You know, when, it's just, an, you know, I'll, I'll be in my office. I'll have my Bible there and my boss will walk in or someone will walk in and, and instantly, oh, do I hide the Bible? Like you just get those feelings. Oh, you know, what if they see the Bible and, and you, you're in that kind of torn, what do you do? Do you cover the Bible or you, you leave it? I still get that. I still get that. And, and or, or, or if people hear, you know, you're praying and they hear. I remember um, I was praying in my lounge a while back and I didn't realize, but my, um, I, my phone was on in my, in my, <laughs> in my pocket. <laughs> and I'm praying in tongues and praying. And, and then it must have clicked off or something. And, it, my, and this guy rang back. It was one of the other managers. What are you doing, man? Uh, I said, oh, yeah, you know, I must have my phone on. He goes, what were you doing though? All I heard was, and, and so at that instant, I thought, what do I do? And I thought, oh, well, actually, I, oh, I was praying. I was actually praying in tongues. It's a heavenly language from God. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah okay, then, okay, cheers, buddy. And, and I hung up. So I talked about snapped out, you know, snapped out on the phone. And um, so that was a hard case. But, you know, one, one of the, another major issue is fear of man. Fear of man. What will people think of me? What will they, will they think of me any less? And that fear of man is a real key one. What will people think? You know, but, but, the, but the real thing is, what will God think if you don't share? That, that's, that's the issue. What will God think if you don't share? Because, you know, God's watching all the time. He's watching to see whether we'll share. He's watching to see what we'll say, when we'll say it, if we'll say it. And to me, the important thing is, what will God say? Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare. Or an, and that word snare means a noose or a hook for the nose. And you know, when farmers put a hook on a, on a pig's nose, it's to stop them rooting and digging into the ground. So it's actually to stop them what they naturally do. You know, and as Christians, as God's caused, uh, called us to share the gospel, to preach the gospel, to, to be bold with our faith, to have influence like Allah, to, to be just bold and allow God to come through us. But you know, the fear of man puts a ring in your nose. It actually stops what you should naturally be doing. You know, these issues will stop us reigning in our sphere of influence. God's causing, calling us to win. He wants us to win in our, in our areas of influence. You know, Jesus Christ came to fulfill Genesis 1.26 so that we could become fishers of men. God's wanting us to be, become fishers of men. You know, but it takes, but we have to respond Today's the day that we rise up, we come and we follow him. You know, when Jesus came, he died on the cross. He came and fulfilled the Father's will. He came and willingly went to the cross of Calvary so that men could be saved. You know, and all he's asking us to do is just to share that story. It's just sharing the story. Living a life. You know, people say, well, you know, what, they kind of class you as religious or what's a Christian and religious? I say, well, no, it's not. I said, I said, a Christianity to me, uh, to me is living a lifestyle that pleases God, having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and having a lifestyle that represents Him. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean we blow it and, and muck up and things like that. But, you know, on the whole, people are pretty forgiving out there. They don't expect perfection. But, you know, it's just, it's just sharing and being who you are and letting the, letting the love of Christ come through you. You know, today, you may be here and you've never received Jesus Christ. You've You've heard me share about um, become fishers of men. You know, you may be one of these souls that, you know, you've, you, you're kind of lost. You're not kind of sure which way 
you're going in life, you maybe uh, at a point, at a crossroads in your life. And I want to tell you today that Jesus Christ, he died so that we could have a relationship with the Father. You know, today, if you want to give your heart to Jesus Christ, if you want to change in your life, if you want, to, if, if you want something to change in your life and, and, and come to know a very real God who created you and has a destiny and a plan for you, then I'd love to lead you to the Lord. I wonder if everyone could have their eyes closed tonight.